For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick uh, here with co-host Dan Reese, and we're doing this week's By the Numbers. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing good. Not the uh, the outcome we had hoped for last week against uh, Jacksonville, but uh, but doing well. Well, had a uh, had a great Thanksgiving. Um, hope you had one as well. Yeah, weird weird game. We went down for it. Uh, you know, they basically forced everyone out of the stands due to lightning. Uh, then it was raining really hard. I mean, as hard as just about I've ever seen it rain. Uh, maybe not quite big, but very, very hard it was raining. Anyway, we went back to the seats. Sunny game, the whole, pretty much the game. It, we got a couple drops during the entire game, but uh, uh, really unexpected, but uh, very, very uh, quick changing weather. So uh, Yeah, anyway. definitely seemed pretty crazy. <laughs> yep. All right, should we jump into the numbers? Let's go. Um, my first set of numbers are 15 87% and negative 0.174. Uh, this last week, there were 15 snaps that the Ravens ran out of 11 or 12 personnel, uh, excluding the ones where uh, Ricard uh, was the lone running back. So basically, you know, the, the, what we would consider light personnel for uh, mm-hmm. for the Ravens. Um, and they passed on 87% of these snaps, 13 out of 15. Uh, the average EPA on these pass plays was negative 0.174. Uh, and com- compare that to the average EPA on, on just the two run plays was 0.413. Um, so this is an area I think that the the Ravens really need to 
to focus on or to look at is how they're using their light personnel and how they want to attack it. I think coming out in the, this light personnel and just running pure pass um, plays, uh, I, I think is, um, you know, is kind of a little bit too obvious and a little bit, you know, it clearly leads to them struggling. Um, some of it, you know, maybe in a pass pass obvious down, they then go to this, but, but I don't think that's all of it. I think the, they are really allowing, um, you know, the, the personnel to, to directly to kind of line up with, um, with the, the play type that they're using. I really would like to see them when they go to 11, uh, run out of it and kind of, you know, spread them out and then run up the middle, things like that. So, okay. So r- run out of 11, pass out of 22, you know, maybe would be the other component. Of that. Exactly. Yep. So, so I think you have another number. I don't want to spoil it going for this, but was Deshaun Jackson involved in any of these 15 snaps? Do you recall? Cause he, he was very effective when they put him on the field in terms of changing things. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure actually. Um, yeah, I don't have that on me right now, but I, okay. I um, Probably but, but not I, if that yeah. average EPA is so low, right? Because that would have been it, a big EPA. It was not play. his big play for sure. Okay. That was not out of his personnel. So, okay, yeah. very good, very interesting stuff there. Uh, I'll move on. Twenty-eight point four percent, fourteen point three percent, minus eight point four percent, and five point seven percent. So these are the Devoa numbers for this week. So twenty-eight point four percent is the Ravens' overall Devoa. That is second in the National Football League behind Buffalo. I'll just say that from that standpoint, the Ravens' uh, demise has been exaggerated, <laughs> you know, in terms of, of what the problem is. Sure, they lost a the game to Jacksonville. We'll get into that a little bit. But uh, 14.3% on offense is fifth best in the National Football League. The minus 8.4% on defense, minus is good on defense, remember, folks, for DeVoa. Um, that that is good for ninth currently. That is an ascending number right now. It has been the last several weeks in terms of where the Ravens are moving. They were down in the twenties. They've moved all the way up to ninth, uh, basically over the course of about the last five ball games. So so that's been very impressive. Five point seven percent is first on special teams. So uh, the Ravens are uh, well above average in every category, uh, near the top, in fact, in every category. Uh, and this week was kind of another case of w- how you see this game playing out. The, the Ravens lost a relatively small number of high leverage plays to the Jaguars. They won the snap count big time. That's usually an evidence that you're, you're keeping the ball rolling, getting first downs, usually staying ahead of down and distance, creating positive expected value plays. Um, and they, they certainly did that for most of the point, and they failed in the red zone. So to old-time Baltimore fans, you're watching Super Bowl three again to see the Ravens you know, f- fail like the Colts did against the Jets in that game. Uh, every time they got inside the 20-yard line, they seemed to trip on a banana peel. This, this is a similar kind of a, uh, a, 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 a game. I will say I don't understand completely how these things can continue, why the Ravens won't win more games with by winning so many plays. I think it's very difficult and you actually have to be quite unlucky to to be as bad as the Ravens had been on key plays. And I do think there is a luck component involved um, as opposed to being bad, generally speaking, say on any third down where you might be anywhere on the field. So, uh, you know, obviously the red zone is is a concern. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but, but the Ravens Devoa really looks great across the board. Yeah, you know, I I think it's um it's frustrating to see 
the record that they have now for as well as they've played. Uh, you know, the the four losses are, um, you know, three of them to extremely strong teams record-wise. And even Jacksonville, I, watching them, they do not, did not appear to be as bad as their record is. I don't know if that was because, you know, they played out of their minds this week, which I think was some of it. But, uh, but, but I also, um, you know, their personnel and their players seem better than their record um, watching them live. So I completely agree with that. By the way, I think a bad matchup, and we'll get to that later, I think, because you have yeah. another number set coming up for that. But but beyond that, they were rested because the Ravens were, mm-hmm. you know, they were coming off the bye week. Their injury report scared the hell out of me as soon as I first saw it. No injuries to report at this point yeah. during the season. It's it's December, folks. Well, it was November, but no injuries to report in, in late November. Just ridiculous. So they've been extremely fortunate in that. The Ravens, of course, missing some key players. Yeah, you know, so I think it, it was a tough matchup. So tough, tough losses, but leading it by a significant amount in all all four games. So mm-hmm. it's just, uh, you know, looking at the season overall, the, the Ravens are an extremely strong team, as you can see with these DeVoe numbers. And, you know, they just need to get a couple of players right. They need to get kind of a groove going. And I think that could be that could be huge because I think, that definitely plays a major role in the playoffs. So, all right, I will jump into my next set of numbers. Uh, 27, 41%, and 1. Uh, 1.08. So this is kind of the other end uh, of the, co- or the other side of the coin that I was talking about before. So 27 snaps, uh, Jacksonville had three or fewer DBs on the field. I can't imagine there's been another game like that uh this season or or for a while um that's basically what would you call that goal line defense three or fewer it could be jumbo you would call jumbo, it yeah. yeah yeah so um for all of these snaps the ravens had power card and at least two tight ends on the field so um either 12 with pat ricard as the one running back 22 or 23 uh personnel um, 11 out of 27 of these snaps, so 41%, were pass plays. So just a little bit under half of them, they they passed out of these heavy personnel, which was great to see. This is, was this is kind of exactly what I was hoping for. Um, for those 11 pass plays, the average EPA was 1.08, which is an unreal number uh, mm-hmm. for, for an average EPA that included the 62 yard bomb uh, to Deshaun Jackson out of the 11 pass plays. Only four of them were unsuccessful. One, the drop to Oliver that should have been an 18 yard touchdown. I think it was, it was a hard catch, but, uh, but could have been caught for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, two, the, the drop deep left side to Andrews. Uh, the defender played it well, maybe pinned his arm down, but, but definitely, um, was was a, an opportunity for a large gain. Three, an incomplete pass to Gus Edwards at the end of the Q3, which was just a kind of a small check down. And four, the drop in the end zone by Andrews for a touchdown, which was just a blatant drop. So, you know, it could have easily been one unsuccessful with three more huge plays added to the EPA. So to see an average EPA of 1.08 plus those three potential plays is just you can see 
that this is, should have been the the matchup where they just well they did ex- exploit the matchup and they should have even more and I hope they can continue uh, to to kind of take advantage of when defenses play the run against this heavy personnel and just kind of pass pass right out of it. So. Okay, so first of all, fantastic stuff, Dan, to research this to have all this ready for the for the show. Absolutely great. Expect nothing less, but. Here is my question coming out of this. And I have some some references to old Ravens teams. That was with 404 in the fourth quarter, the deep pass to Jackson for 62 yards. It came on a second and 20 play with the Ravens trailing by one. What is your excuse for having three defensive backs on the field at that point? It was not a no huddle play to clear to clarify here. It came directly after an offensive holding call, backed them up from second and 10 to second and 20. Why? Right. Well, you know, when I was talking to someone about this before, it was kind of like me playing NFL Blitz back in the day. Like, I have no idea how to stop this. I'm rushing everybody. Yeah. You know, just like <laughs> it didn't work in that video game either. So, like, I have no idea what they were doing. Second and 20. And to be honest, they're lucky it was only a 62-yard touchdown. The defense did nothing to stop Deshaun Jackson. It was uh, his own, you know, momentum that that – you knocked him down based on how he had to kind of turn to catch the ball. If he was able to, you know, Willie maze it and, and catch it while running, he would have easy touchdown. So uh, the defense wasn't even close. So um, it, it no idea what they were doing playing playing that defense. Maybe they swapped because of injuries or something. But could, based could off been of desperate, the, yeah, based off of the personnel that they had been using the entire game, it certainly seemed to me that it was a coaching decision that when Ricard and two tight ends were on the field, we go into this uh, heavy personnel of three DBs. It, it seemed clear. Like, this, they did it throughout the entire game, regardless of the down and distance. So. Okay, so they had Ricard on the field. They probably had uh, two, two tight ends or Ricard and one of the tight end plus a running back? No, they had no running back on, no that, running on back. that play to Deshaun okay. Jackson. It was, so, uh, it was Ricard, uh, Demarcus Robinson... Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Mark Andrews, and um, uh, and Oliver. Okay. Uh, Oliver was lined up passing. Robinson was out to the left. Deshaun Jackson was in the slot, and Andrews was out wide. They actually had two safeties on the field and one defensive and one corner. The corner was guarding Andrews. <laughs> so they they had um, they had uh, Devin Lloyd, the rookie, out on out on Robinson. So it was just like the matchups were a nightmare the whole, like across the board. So it just made no sense what they were doing and fantastic that we were able to take advantage of it. And unfortunate that we weren't, you know, completely able to <laughs> for a touchdown in that play. So, okay. So first of all, very cool find, uh, you know, they may believe in their linebackers a little more. You have to go back to 2005 for any significant number of three defensive back play for the Baltimore Ravens that year with a ton of injuries, they ended up playing a defensive backfield that was essentially Ed Reed, not even a free safety. But when he was hurt, they had Deshaun, uh, sorry, um, uh, Deion Sanders playing free safety with two cornerbacks on the field. And it was only the ability to use Adalus Thomas as a safety and the coverage ability of Bart Scott that allowed them to like get away with that, basically. They also trailed a lot in the 2005 season, so a lot of those snaps did come when they were trailing and they were expecting the run. Um, but it's it's still 265 snaps in one season by Rex Ryan. That's one of the ultimate adaptations 
in season to to how your roster has uh, been destroyed by injuries uh, that that I can ever recall. Not a great year for the Ravens, but still a great year for Rex and the and the first of of his tenure with the Ravens. But uh, this is this should be up discussed more heavily. I, has has it been? Have you been discussing it on Twitter some? A little bit, yeah. But uh, you know, it's definitely something that Jacksonville did that they tried to do, and it was just, um, you know, it it did it did not work. And I do not expect to see uh, other other teams replicate it. And it's really interesting because they actually had zero snaps with four DBs on the field, so they were either three DBs or five plus. So it was a very interesting strategy defensively. And I would say it did not work. So Big. it worked decently to stop the run on, on the 16 run plays, um, negative 0.7 EPA, though that included the fumble to Gus. So a, a 0.15 EPA on the other 15 runs. So not well enough to justify this for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it's not something I expect to be replicated um, by, by other defenses. And, but it, but it's something that the Ravens need to do, even if it's not to this extreme. They need to get in this heavy personnel, dictate um, how defenses align, you know, they which they have been doing, and then pass out of it. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing that, but they need to continue to do it and continue to do it more so, in my opinion. Yeah. He's at DP Reese eight on, on Twitter, folks. There's just, there's just your reason and your plug for following him. Make sure you, you do that. I want to also call out our sponsor here. Uh, thanks to liquid death, the water that will murder your thirst. Uh, they've been good to us. Please try their product and, and, uh, you, you may well like it. They've got a lime seltzer flavor, a mango water flavor, uh, definitely some things that, that are tasty and more environmentally sound than drinking from plastic. Uh, anyway, thanks to them. I'll move on to my next number, which is 336, 13, and 7 and 6. It has been 336 days now through last Sunday, so it's been more than that now, since the Ravens last trailed by more than one score in a football game. That was on 12-6-21 at the, at the end of the Bengals game that they lost 41-21. to So it's been 13 full games that have passed since. In 12 of those 13 games, they've held a lead of at least nine points at some point during the game. And yet, they've managed to go only seven and six in those games. The only game that they did not lead by nine points, they, they led the Steelers 10 to three in the 2021 finale. So they've led in every single one of those games. Um, and yet, they, they have not been able to put them away. I look at this and I see one of the more absurd anomalies in sports history. Obviously, we're not used to having a team that blows leads here in Baltimore. And these last 13 games have been very difficult. In fact, since the Lamar injury, honestly, been very difficult here, uh, despite the 7-4 and four record this year. And the, the fact that the team is very good, it's, it's, it's not a, it hasn't been a comfortable period to be a Ravens fan in terms of, of how these outcomes have come. But I will say this, uh, you know, clutch performance is a harsh mistress for all Ravens opponents and and for the Ravens themselves in terms of their unclutch performance um, over these periods. I don't think this is highly indicative of who the Ravens are. The last two games of 2021, I would leave separately because that was obviously Tyler Huntley, a quarterback, a lot of other problems. Tyler Huntley in some ways overperformed to, to keep the Ravens so close in those games. But the 11 games this year going seven and four in those that's one of the biggest anomalies in sports history. Uh, all the other teams that, that led by those levels went 11-0 and over those same uh, 11 games. So 
it's uh, it, it doesn't make any sense as to as to what's happened so far. And, uh, and I, I would not expect it to continue. I think the Ravens have righted the ship partly during the four-game winning streak. We certainly saw that, and I think they'll they'll finish out this year strong. Yeah, I'm definitely right there with you. It is a very crazy anomaly. Um, mm-hmm. I saw some interesting charts that kind of mapped out the the um, point differential on wins and losses, and it's just so weird to see on the losses. You know, they are averaging something like 10 point lead at halftime and stuff like that. So it's just so odd. Um, But I, you know, I I really, I do think that they are in a position to really get on a run and they were before this game, right? Four game Mm -hmm. win streak. So um, I think uh, things are aligning well for, for them to go on a run to, to kind of finish off the season strong. So, Um, all right. My uh, third set of numbers are, Negative 4.6, negative 30%, 3, and 454. Um, all right, so it was 19 to 17. Ravens led with five minutes and 49 seconds left, and, and Gus Edwards ran the ball and, and, and fumbled it. Uh, you know, devastating play for sure. A negative 4.6 EPA on the fumble, so a huge swing. A negative 30%. Uh, WPA, uh, which is win win probability um, yeah. per per play, uh, so negative thirty percent drop um, uh, on the win probability on that one play. Uh, prior to that fumble, Gus had three fumbles in four hundred and fifty four rushes, so zero point six six percent fumbles per per attempt. So, you know, the defense has gotten a lot of flack for. Uh, the the two touchdown drives and you know a lot of focus on that but um, you know this was a huge play that swung uh, swung mo- the momentum and, and probability on the win uh, win probability and uh, you know the defense did a pretty amazing job to hold them to a field goal on yeah. on that position for, for sure to keep uh, you know to keep the Ravens in position to win for uh, the game. So it was a, a really impressive stop there on the defense, but this just goes to what you're talking about, you know, with the, the few high leverage plays where, uh, you know, this is a, an outcome that you, you do not expect from, from Gus clearly based off of his, his history. And it was just, uh, you know, just, it just is one of those things that happen, you know, and unfortunately there have been a lot of those this season, but, uh, but it, it was definitely an, an, by now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take Liquid Death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. 
Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. Um, kind of a shock to the system, and it was uh, impressive by the defense. So that's one thing I take away is uh, impressive by the defense to be able to um, get back out there and, and make an impressive stop. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. Obviously, didn't really expect the stop. Was thinking Lamar might have to drive for a touchdown, which would be difficult. A field goal, I thought, would be a lot easier. It turned out they drove for a touchdown. That still wasn't enough. <laughs> so, But right. the defense had, as I counted them, five individual plays in the fourth quarter that might have had a similar impact. And it's not really fair because we're not judging from the beginning of the play as we are with the Edwards fumble. But the dropped interception by Stone, the inability to recover the sack fumble minus 11. So we're kind of going from the middle of the play there mm-hmm. and saying, you know, they had an opportunity. But they allowed a fourth and five, a fourth and eight to be converted. If they if they win any of these plays, the game is over. They're, the, the, the Jags are not going to not going to win the game, although it might not have had quite as much as a 30 percent win probability impact because the Jags, Jags might not have had a 30 percent chance to win the game at those points. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and, and then the last was the two point conversion itself. And that probably was the whole amount. I mean, they, they've, they probably can convert that 55% of the time, or maybe even a little less. It's and gotta be pretty close to 50, 50. Yep. It's, it's gotta be pretty close. And so it basically is a, uh, if, if that's, a, if it's zero or a hundred to win the game, which it effectively was after that play, then, then, you know, that was a, a, uh, you know, a 45% probably chance of a hundred. So about 45% change in win probability just on the two point conversion. Yeah, absolutely. That was a huge leverage down for sure. Or play for sure. Yeah. Oh, I hate, I hate, <laughs> you know, playing another team that you're a little bit, part of the problem was they weren't a lot better than the Jaguars. They're just a little better than the Jaguars under the, under the circumstances. We're on the road, you know, all the rest and everything. But but I still I hate the game coming down to you know a small number of high leverage plays under those circumstances. Yep, absolutely. All right, I'm down to my third thing. It's thirty two point six percent and seventy point six percent. You'll notice an overarching theme in these as we go through this. The Ravens have um, held opponents to thirty two point six percent on third down. That is the second best in the National Football League. Seventy point six percent is their fourth down percentage allowed. That is the second worst in the NFL. Okay, let me just first of all tell you, those numbers make no sense to, to relative to each other. There, there are a lot of the similar kind of plays. They're third and mediums, say sometimes third and longs. You have a lot of the fourth down or desperation. There are a fair number of plays on fourth down that are run plays for one yard that are included in this group. But I don't see any reason why the Ravens should be bad at those. A defensive line is, is one of the big strengths. You know, they stopped one in what I would consider to be fairly typical Ravens fashion in this game. They actually gave up a fourth and five and a fourth and eight, which are maybe more typical of what's going on. But I can't see a reason for the dichotomy between those two numbers that makes sense to me. Okay, you have other third and shorts that are among your third downs. So the fourth and shorts, you know, maybe a, maybe not necessarily a similar mix of them, but but you know, you you, you have some of each, and then you have these uh, these other ones that are longer downs. Um, I will say this: the third down conversions are based on 129 plays. That's a much more longer run set of trials. Whereas the fourth down conversions are only based on 17 plays. That's the proper relationship if your team has this record. You want the larger number of trials to be on the third down where they have success 
And, and I think you can point to that as being more meaningful and being in yet another case where the Ravens have been particularly unclutch on fourth down, which has cost them in a lot of games. They've lost a lot of high leverage plays here. But again, I don't see any reason for that to continue. I mean, you could point to the Ravens' third cornerback being a general problem. That should be a problem on third down also. That should be a problem on third down also. You, you, there's no reason why you know the other team shouldn't do well there as well if they're doing well on fourth down. So anyway, I don't see a reason why it should continue to be this kind of a difference between those two numbers. I expect them to be you know, maybe in the high 30s on the two combined for the rest of the way. Right. And I, I don't really, I can't explain why they'd be that different. And like you said, you know, the, there's a hot, lot higher number of third down ones. So that seems like the more, you know, where so it should trend to, yeah. right? Like that's, if, if you're going to get the two numbers to trend towards one, it's going to be a lot closer to that third down number than, than the fourth down number. So, you know, that's another great one to see. So we would call that credibility in our business of, of, the, exactly. of the information. Yep. I think, you know, I think our listeners are sophisticated enough to understand that statistical concept that right. you have more trials, that information is more credible. Yep. So you definitely expect that fourth down percentage to get closer to that 33. And that that's probably a, a game difference, maybe two even. So that's uh, that's huge. So lo- would love to see that uh, to, to trend in the right direction the rest of the season for sure. So very, very interesting. Um, all right. My uh, my third set of number or fourth set of numbers here um, is uh, 14.3, uh, 14 and 8. So these numbers are looking forward to the to the Broncos this this week. Uh, 14.8 points per game uh, by the Broncos offense is uh, the worst in the NFL this season and the worst by any Broncos team since 1966. Wow. Uh, the, the trend of these are going to be the Broncos offense is not good and it is, in fact, historically not good. So uh, 14 is the offensive touchdown so far by the Broncos, which is the worst in the NFL. 1.3 per game. Next lowest is Indy with 1.5. So it's not very close. Uh, this is the worst by any Broncos team since 1971. Eight passing touchdowns is tied for worst in the NFL with Pittsburgh, and it's been the lowest for, by any Broncos team since 1990. So, uh, you know, in summation, the Broncos offense is not good. So <laughs> we, we should be able to, a uh, you know, this is a game for for the Ravens defense to, to right the ship for sure. And, uh, you know, really kind of, t- um, you know, take advantage of, of Russell Wilson's struggles uh, and just their overall offense in general struggles. And, and it really uh, hopefully will, will be kind of a, um, a you know, a, a diving off point for the defense for the rest of the season. So. So I had the Know Your Foe guy on yesterday, uh, Nick Kendall from Mile High Huddle, I believe it is. MHH is his thing. He's a great show, by the way. Go please download it if, if you would. He does a wonderful job in a very short amount of time of, of analyzing this. Had a bunch of good theories on, on, on roster construction, including inside linebacker platooning that I really loved. But uh, he's what he said is two things. One is the entire offensive line has been injured basically. And the second one is that the the players are not a good fit, including a 6'6 center, because Russell Wilson can't currently see over the line of scrimmage. And and that's that's been an ongoing problem. But rather than like analyze you know too much what you said, I'm just going to jump into my next number, which is 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 very similar, uh, is 28.2%, 45.7%, 
37.5% and 51.16%. So let's go through this. The 28.2% is the Broncos third down conversion rate, 30th in the league. That compares to 45.7% for the Ravens, fifth in the league. Their 37.5% Broncos red zone conversion rate is dead last in the National Football League. And 51.2% for the Ravens is still anemic, but 24th in the league. Now, I think there's there's two morals of the story kind of that come out of this. The first is that there's almost always a worse opponent that will make even this Ravens anemic red zone offense look pretty good. And the Broncos are are really it. You want to you see how bad it can really be? Look at the Broncos. It's not the Ravens. Uh, they move the ball pretty effectively, get it down the field. They get more red zone opportunities as well, and, 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 and including the fact that they convert more of them. And then here's moral number two, which I really want Ravens fans to kind of sink their teeth into in a week like this, when there are always complaints about Lamar. Um, there are always little things about him making mistakes in the red zone. In fact, Jackson had an outstanding game in this one, really uh, was betrayed by his receivers with six drops um, in this one. But the Ravens are in a much better position to be worried about overpaying Lamar Jackson for the next five years than the Broncos are knowing they have done so with Russell Wilson and having no way out of this contract. They they cannot get out of the contract next year. Uh, it requires something like $89 million worth of dead money. The year after, I think it would be down to $49 million of dead money, and, and they would have to take that hit twice if they do a post-June 1 thing. So, I mean, we're talking about bankrupting the franchise for a couple of additional years just to get them out, you know, maybe... I think it would be two years early and, and get restarted on your on your quarterback. So they could draft another quarterback, but they can't get out of the Russell Wilson deal, and, and it is it is killing them. But they can't even really draft a quarterback because they traded away picks. Yeah, that's so true. Not, not only did they pay him a ton of money, but they paid a ton of cap or trade picks. So it's a really rough situation for them. This is maybe your chance to draft a third or fourth round guy that you take a flyer on, you meet Malik Willis or whatever, uh, you know, and, and see if he's your your guy and you have a chance to let it not work out too. <laughs> right. Might as well try at this yeah. point. So yeah, absolutely. You know, those are those are some rough numbers for the Broncos. And it's it's a really an interesting situation where they signed him long term, not knowing how he was gonna fit, not knowing what he had left. You know, it's um an interesting point about uh like you said roster and, and team management so yeah. hey, the uh, nick kendall again told me this and it just made my jaw drop he's first of all he's done a lot of very unleaderish things this year he's done some some good things too in terms of of being at the microphone and basically not blaming purcell for blowing up at him on the, mm-hmm. on the sidelines but he's he has a different treatment within that building um his office he has an office of his own not just like a quarterback's room or something but i told an office of his own that's on the second floor of the building not down on the first floor where the players are most of the time in terms of lifting and training and their their position group rooms and whatnot his family apparently has free run of the facility in terms of being you know in and out of that place i can't even imagine that goes over particularly well in terms of distracting and, and whatnot and and the other thing was you know, for the very first day, I believe he came to, to to practice with the Broncos during OTAs. He wore his own jersey, and there's one of the national reporters comment on this and says, "In all my years reporting on the NFL, I've never seen a player wear his own jersey." Yeah, he is a seems like an 
we'll say interesting guy uh, for sure. And um, I, I do not think he has blended well with the, with the locker room. And um, uh, it's just uh, you know complete mismanagement by the team and 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 Russell Wilson for that matter on on how to join a new team. <laughs> so um, it's just uh, it is a nightmare of a situation. Um, so. Uh, definitely one I would like to take advantage of at, by the Ravens this week. So, um, all right, my last set of numbers um, is 2.3, 2.66, and 2.83. So, 2.3 was the time to throw per next gen stats uh, for Trevor Lawrence uh, this last week. That was the fastest in week 12. So, he was getting the ball out fast. Uh, he averaged uh, this season, he averages 2.55 seconds. So this was well below his average. Um, and, and PFF had them for only 10 pressures. So I'm not sure how that aligns with your numbers, but um, you know, th- that was the second lowest for Baltimore this season. So, you know, that he was getting the ball out fast and it definitely impacted the the Ravens ability to, to get to him and get pressure. Um, so um do you have that number or otherwise yeah, I can I'm, keep going? I, I, no, please, please I, go I, ahead. I'll, 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 try spot, and, I'll try and find it as you were going. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, so 2.66, that's the the average time to throw of all the quarterbacks that Baltimore has faced this year. It's not the perfect average because I averaged, you know, by 11 games versus weighted by each number of passes or anything gotcha. like that. So, so, but pretty darn close to that 2.66. So again, ex- extremely uh, low um, time to throw overall. Um, and the remaining quarterbacks that they have to face uh, the, the average time to throw for them is 2.83. This excludes Cleveland because I didn't want to include Deshaun Watson. Cause I have no idea mm-hmm. how he's going to be relative to, to the other quarterbacks for Cleveland. So, um, that's 2.92 for Wilson, 2.85 for Pickett twice, 2.95 for Mariota, and 2.58 for Burrow. So if you exclude Burrow, they're all 2.85 or above. So well above what we've been seeing. And, you know, I I, I hope that plays out. I hope they don't kind of change their, um, you know, their play style when they face Baltimore, which I would expect them to do slightly. But still, I think they'll be holding the ball longer than quarterbacks we've been facing. So uh, I really hope that that kind of uh, can lead to some good pressure, good sack numbers by the defense. So, Okay. So first of all, I, I have 12 pressures for the Ravens. And my total should always be a little higher than PFFs because I use three-second standard versus two and a half. And cone incursions mm-hmm. uh draw pressure if the if the quarterback can't step into his throw so i i would expect it to be more but i noticed the same thing is that lawrence released the ball so quickly that it really muted the ravens pressure and it's unusual to say this in a game where you have four sacks that the ravens didn't really get good consistent pressure they they had you know a few plays that that they you know they got home and that's terrific and it's often the case they'll get even more pressures than this or it has been earlier this year where they got even more pressures than this and they wouldn't get home uh, and, and so this is the better way that you, you end up getting some key plays. But on the other hand, that ball, it was out quickly. And Joe Burrow is the other guy who, it, when, when he faced him earlier this year, had a huge number of ball out quick uh, plays specifically. So I had, uh, I had Lawrence for 16 ball out quick plays in this game, and he averaged over eight yards per throw on those and completed 13 of 16 
when he got the ball quick. Now you're all you're kind of truncating by the result there because the ball's out quick before pressure could develop. You're already saying it's not a sack and it's not right. a it's not a pressure, but they 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 were very good results uh, for him. All right, go to my last number here uh, is 32.7%, 6.9%, and 1.6%. So the Broncos, these are defensive stats for the Broncos. The, the 32.7% is the Broncos' third down conversion rate allowed is third best in, in, the, in the NFL. It's right behind the Ravens. Um, the 6.9% is the Broncos' sack rate, which is 18th best. And the 1.6% is the Broncos' interception rate, which is only 25th best. And I'll say about these numbers is it's a little unusual. It does You do see it occasionally where you have a great third down defense, a truly great third down defense, where they have just average sack rates and below average interception rates. Part of, of you know usually being successful in third down is having good pressure that gets the quarterback, forces some bad decision, oftentimes will force interceptions because you you do you take more risk on third down to get a first down than you do on on, on other downs. Um, the other part of it is that they traded Bradley Chubb, and they have now lost Randy Gregory to injury, uh, and that has just destroyed the Broncos' pass rush. So it's one of the areas where we would really hope, in the absence of those two gentlemen, that the Ravens are going to be able to have some time to throw, uh, generate some good passing opportunities against this Broncos team. Uh, that is a pretty high quality offense sorry defense overall uh, as opposed to their offense and and the ravens really need are going to need to find ways to scheme to beat them and also in that process i would say take the same relatively limited number of chances with the football that they've been trying to take the last few weeks uh and i, I think that's very important against a team like the broncos you definitely don't want it coming down to a a few die rolls so to speak yeah absolutely you know i think one of the one of the keys is going to be kind of staying ahead of the the down and distance, you know, keeping those third third downs manageable, you know, moving the ball by run or by taking what you know what they give you on the pass plays and and just uh, you know being being patient. I think is is really going to be key and, and staying ahead of it. So uh, that's a a pretty impressive third down uh, conversion rate. And uh, so you do, do not want to be facing third and long uh, at those. So I uh, definitely want to stay ahead of it and um, and take advantage of, of the, the other situations for sure. All right. Outstanding. Always a ton of fun to do this show with you, Dan. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Yeah. Reach out on, on Twitter, uh, DP Reese, and then the number eight. Uh, you know, at, been talking about some of these numbers throughout the week, uh, you know, as I kind of – um, dive into them looking for some good numbers each week uh, been throwing them out on twitter so happy to discuss throughout the weeks uh, just uh, reach out all right outstanding uh, i've been seeing from a few people i really appreciate uh, uh, all the loyal listenership and there's two things related to that um we'd like to to show to to offer this show up to one other person who is not typically into podcasts so the idea would be go to his desk at work set up the podcast form so you can just listen to it directly off his computer by going to filmstudybaltimore.com and just hitting the play button there. That's honestly the way I listen most of the time. If I ever do listen again and see what I've been doing wrong as a, as a uh, uh, nimrodi, non-technical uh, podcaster. But also uh, the, the uh, other thing uh, is that the people have been putting out by Spotify how many minutes they've been set, uh, spending listening to this podcast. And I just want to read one of these because I am incredibly impressed by this. But Felix Billington 
has spent in the last year 9,675 minutes listening to uh, our podcast. That is 161 hours, almost a complete week of uh, watching the game. I'd like anybody who has a, uh, a, a you know a number that's that's anywhere in that range. If there's anybody who's above that, I'll be amazed. Uh, but but please. Hit me up with that in Twitter. I'm considering what I'm going to give away uh, in terms of doing that. But the, the, the most loyal listeners, you deserve some sort of a giveaway, and I will figure it out. Uh, so please hit me up with that with that in Twitter if you would, and you can tag me. Uh, Dan, always appreciate doing the, sh- the, the show with you. Uh, and uh, I'll just sign off for both of us here. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.